Hi, church. How you doing today? I feel good. I feel really good today. I, uh, I took a red eye to Atlanta on Monday <clears throat> and then uh, was with some past 104 church planting pastors. And then I flew back on uh, Thursday. And I basically have not, and I sat like in a conference room with pastors for like 15 hours a day on Tuesday and Wednesday. I've really not been able to move my, my neck since Thursday. So if I seem a little rigid today, just give me some grace. You know, God is in this place, and I know that God has, has a word for you today. Uh, can I just encourage us in the baptism stuff? Can we go there? Uh, let's go. Beck says, uh, we're going to go. Uh, today after the service, baptism Sunday. Come on. And if you don't know what baptisms are, like you've, maybe you're new to church, here's what it's going to look like physically. It's going to look like <coughs> me uh, basically dipping somebody in a hot tub and then lifting them back up. That's what it's going to look like physically. And then a whole bunch of people are going to cheer like really loud. Um, that's what it's going to look like physically. But here's why it matters so much to us. Because that, that dip going under the water is a representation of our lives Dying along with Christ, our past, our sins, all that's been left behind, going and being put in a grave. And then being lifted back out of the water is demonstrative of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that we believe with all of our hearts saves us and brings us into new life. The Bible says, behold, all things have been made new, that we're a brand new creation. And so that's what it means to us. We say this all the time around here, that, that your moment of salvation... When you trust God for the forgiveness of your sins, that is a, a moment straight up between you and God. Private moment. That's why at the end of the service today, when we give people that opportunity to make a faith decision, we're going to have you all bow your heads and close your eyes. And some of you peek, and that's fine, whatever. We're not too worried about that. But, but really, it's a private moment between you and God. But baptism, there does come a time in your faith when it's got to go public. Jesus died publicly on a cross for you for your sins. And so baptism is that moment where you publicly declare what we just said a few minutes earlier. Jesus is straight up everything. Like, not just an add-on to my life that makes Sundays a little bit fuller. No, Jesus is flat out everything. Like, I've been forgiven and set free and I got a new life and I got hope. I feel like I should take that public. And so today we've got, uh, that I know of, uh, 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 at least a handful of people that are already registered to do it. I've heard some people in the lobby saying that they're going to spontaneously get baptized today. And I want to let you know, let you know that we were ready for your spontaneous baptisms. Um, that our teams have gone ahead and they've gotten shorts and they've gotten shirts and they've gotten flip-flops and, um, and undergarments, all types uh, and sizes. And, um, and towels and um, hair dryers. I can stop. You get the idea that we're ready for you to take a next step in baptism today. Like if you did not come prepared. In fact, if you're like, ah, oh, the only reason I can't do it is that, <clears throat> you know, so-and-so is here that would need to be here. Our capture team is ready with their cameras so that you will have photo proof to take to those people that you're like, I wish they'd been there. Well, I'll just take them the pictures. Glory to God. Oh, here's how you do it. Uh, just let's make that clear. Uh, after the service today, if you want to get baptized, today's your day. Um, and if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't been yet baptized, today is your day. Um, uh, <laughs> then you just go to our guest connections table 
right outside those doors, and uh, they will direct you. They'll give you a registration card, direct you where to get all of that stuff so you can be baptized today. And if you can stick around and just, like, cheer, that'd be sweet. That'd be really good, uh, because it'll be good for you, to all of us. So let me preach relatively quickly, because uh, we got some great stuff coming up this morning. Uh, we're in week number four, as Pastor Troy said. How good is it to have Pastor Troy back in the house? They were on vacation. <clears throat> They just, they weren't on vacation. They took a trip because they had their kids with them. And so that's the difference there. Uh, but we're glad that they're back. We really love you guys. Um, and, uh, and how great was worship this morning. Can we just thank the guys? Can we just actually just like give a little shout out for John? Like just throwing down the vulnerability, right? Come on. I love that. I love that. That's who we are around here, man. Don't pull out the fake. Let's get real. Okay. Uh, that's good. I don't know. And, and, and the thing that, you know, it's great. When, when someone goes forward in vulnerability like that, you're like, well, that's all of us. We all feel that way. So that's good. That's helpful. Let's me know. Let's get into God's Word this morning. My story, part four. Uh, we've been talking about how God grows our faith. This is a series on faith growth. And we called it My Story because... We really wanted this to be a picture. If all of us could sit down over coffee, and that would take, you know, a few hundred days, but if we could all just sit down over coffee, um, and you were to ask me, say, Pastor Shane, what's God done to grow your faith? We've wanted this series to look a little bit like that conversation. Five things God has used to grow my faith, and not just my faith. These are things, obviously, that are biblical things. Beyond that, these are things we see across the board. When we look around us in this church and we see the people whose lives are growing in faith, we always see these five things. So these are the five things that I believe that, that, uh, that God wants to use to grow your faith. In week number one, we talked about practical teaching. And we said practical teaching is why we show up week after week, year after year, uh, in the house of God to hear God's word taught in a way that we can practically take and apply in our lives. That's going to grow some faith in your life. And then in week number two, we talked about personal ministry because God doesn't want to just do things in you. Hello. He wants to do things through you, no matter who you are. God wants to do some stuff through you. In fact, he wants to do stuff through you, not just because he wants to bless and reach other people, but because there is an element of your faith growth and your faith development that is tied to you using what you've got in your life to serve other people. God will take that and he will grow your faith. And then in week number three, we talked about impossible miracles, how God just shows up and does stuff that is just God. And we shared stories miracles in our lives and the lives of others. Uh, that is all up on our YouTube channel. If you missed any of those messages, you can find it through our website. Uh, and uh, just stay up to date with what all of those messages if you missed anything. Today I want to talk about a fourth thing God uses to grow our faith. This one is really important. Today I want to talk about private devotion. Private devotion. Spending time with God every single day in your own space, in God's word, and in prayer. Private Devotion, and what I found from my own life, my own story, as well as from God's word, is that the way that God realigns and reorders our hearts is in private devotion. In fact, if you were to look and you were to, uh, to see the people whose faith is growing the most over time, I think private devotion, out of all the things that we've talked about, would be the number one indicator of someone who's going to have a growing faith. This morning I want to talk about private devotion and uh, this one, I'm pumped that in our church, 
there are some people who are so passionate about this that they've undertaken some projects to help people grow in private devotion. Um, we got Brad Doff here today. He's over here taking notes. Uh, Brad is right now writing and going to be publishing a book on how busy people can engage more with prayer in their lives. I can't wait to read it, right? I can't. And uh, how many could use that book, right? Like, that's probably all of us. Um, so we're pumped about that. Also, Laura Andreezy, where are you at, Laura? Woo, right there. Uh, come on, give some love to Laura. You don't even know why, but let's just do it. I saw Laura in a coffee shop a couple of weeks ago and, you know, just chatting. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Woo. And then I said, well, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm working on the content for a YouTube channel to help people pray, help people know how to pray. How great is that, man? Just passionate people in our house just want to help people learn how to pray. I love that. We celebrate you guys and more. there's so much more than that. Those of you on our prayer team who every single week you take those cards, you faithfully pray for every single card that comes in. We're so pumped about that. Here's what the Bible says about prayer. James writes this, James 5 verse 16. He says, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah, so now James kind of, he said what prayer does, and now he wants to kind of back it up with some story, right? He said, prayer is powerful, wonderful results, people get healed. Let's, let's back it up with some results. Elijah, he was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crop. Would you just pray with me for a moment? I just want to ask God to illuminate his word to us. God, we thank you for these words from the brother of Jesus, James. And we thank you, Lord, that he wrote them to the early church. But we're going to get inspired by them today. Thank you, God, that the, the faith level, the plumb line of prayer in our house is going to get rised up, risen this week. Because of what your Holy Spirit's about to speak to us from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever had more to pray about than you had time to pray? Right? It's all of us, I'm sure. My prayer life, kind of, this is the trajectory of my prayer life. This is where it started and kind of how it, God's built it. I first really started to engage in a prayer life when I joined a youth small group in my church. And the, the youth pastor at the time, he said, what we're going to do is everyone's going to say what they want to have prayed for. And everybody write it down and then you take that thing home and you pray for it. So kind of my prayer life, my early prayer life was basically reading the list to God. You know, so-and-so wants so-and-so. It was just kind of like a little request list that I essentially recited before God and asked for those things. I remember one of the prayer requests. There was a guy, he's a little bit older than us. Uh, he had graduated high school. He had his first job. He was doing graveyard shifts at McDonald's. Graveyards at McDonald's. And uh, <clears throat> he didn't want to do the graveyard shift anymore. He wanted the day shift. And so he said, hey guys, would you pray for me? I don't want to work nights anymore. I want the day shift. Now, there was a girl in my small group. Her name was Julie. Julie's incredibly intelligent. She's now the CEO of a company. Um, wonderful human being. But she was slacking off in small group. Like, she was not really paying any attention to what Jerry was saying about night shifts. So she wrote down on her prayer sheet, Jerry wants more night shifts. Like, as if Jerry needed more hours. And so Julie goes home, and she's just like, Jesus Jerry needs night shifts, like every day. Pray for night shifts for Jerry. It's like, Jerry never got, I think Jerry's still working night shifts. Like, thanks, Julie. 
my prayer life kind of took a turn once I hit first year university. And I tell this story at Next Steps um, uh, that my first, I won't tell the whole story, but just really quickly, my first year of university, my roommate um, was, he was a butcher. And he had some things about his physical exterior. I share some more of these at Next Steps that just basically said, um, at least to me, they said, I kind of want to kill you. That's how I was like, it's what the physical exterior said. Could have been my own, could have been me. I don't know. Like it maybe wasn't hit. Maybe he was saying, I love you with like the boots up to his knees and the all black and, and, and so on. Um, dyeing his hair black. You know, I, I could have interpreted wrong. Uh, but my first year roommate, and I love him, great guy. Uh, um, he he kind of upped my personal prayer life, right? Like when you walk in, you know, it's just, God, if you keep me alive one more day, I will go anywhere and do anything. My prayer life, uh, my prayer life took that kind of challenging turn when I started working in business downtown Vancouver and I you know, had to then get up and catch a you know, 6 a.m. bus into the city and you know, it was like uphill both ways. It was like that kind of story. It was tough. And so, but I remember I was like, well, how do I find time to pray now? It feels hard to get up earlier than, you know, when I have to get up already. And so I'd read my Bible on the bus on the way, but uh, intimate prayer time is, is not really something that's easily accomplished sitting next to someone on a bus, as well as the fact that I would, you know, if you're trying to pray silently on a bus at 6 a.m., you're guaranteed to fall asleep. Like it was just like a, a routine for me that the reading I could do, the praying put me to sleep. And so then I'd try and sneak out on my lunch break and catch some prayer time along the seawall and it's just one of those seasons where, where it became difficult to find the time to do those. And how do we remanage my time so that I can have time in private devotion with God? You've been there, right? You've got more things to pray for than you've got time to pray. And I think as we're on that journey, we find ourselves also having questions about prayer. Like if, <clears throat> like all of us wrestle with these questions at various points in time. Like if God is sovereign, he's overall, and he's, he's in control of everything, then do my prayers really matter? And what degree of God's will in my life is contingent on prayer? Is it 100%? Is it 50%? Is it 0%? Like, how much of this depends on how much I pray? There's always the question of persistence. Why, if God wants to do something, do I need to keep asking him to do it? And then there's the questions about salvation of loved ones. Like, if God says in his word that he wants the whole world to be saved, then why does it matter how much I'm praying about this, if this is something God already wants? And I want us to dive into James' words here and discover... Uh, some answers to these questions. James is writing to the early church, and this is a group of people that are enduring some intense persecution. Like they've been scattered because of their faith, and they find themselves having difficult days, and James is writing them to inspire them to pray. He's telling them, your prayers have great power. You might be living through some difficult days right now, but your prayers have the ability to move heaven and earth. And here's the thing. I know you don't think so, but let me point to a guy named Elijah who was average just like us. Like Elijah was awkward in high school, right? Like this is, he's just a guy. He asked girls out. They turned him down. Like Elijah, just a normal straight up guy. He had to, you know, he had to wake up every morning and put his pants on just like you. Elijah was a normal guy, but when he prayed, he changed weather patterns. When he prayed, he changed a city. When he prayed, he changed a nation. That's Elijah. James is wanting to inspire us to pray. And what I love about the Bible is the Bible doesn't just give us James' two-sentence synopsis on Elijah and this story. We get the whole meal deal in 1 Kings chapter 18. What we find in 1 Kings chapter 18 is the whole story of how Elijah went from awkward teenager to guy that prays and weather changes. 
we get the steps of faith. We begin to see how God takes us from a place of having, having prayer needs and having issues in our lives to a place where our faith begins to change the world around us. Here's the context of 1 Kings chapter 18, where we, where we pick up the story with Elijah. There's been three and a half years worth of drought in the land. And Elijah goes and he lives by this brook. There's a little brook with some water and he goes and he lives there because he, he obviously needs some water to survive. But then what happens? It's so hot, the brook dries up. Elijah, man of God, finds himself next to a dried up brook. And what does God say to Elijah? God says to Elijah, Elijah, I want you to go and I want you to find a widow and she's got nothing. Like basically she's got like nothing to eat, nothing to drink. I want you to go and I'm going to provide for you through her. You ever been there before? Like you just, when God is sending you to the person that's got nothing in order to fulfill your need, you know you're in a desperate situation. But you also might see that God is building faith in you that eventually takes to change weather patterns. God sends the person with nothing to a person with nothing. God's building some faith in Elijah. And then we pick things up in verse number one. Here's what, here's what the Bible says in 1 Kings 18, verse one. It says, later on in that third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. Would you just read those last five words with me? I will soon Send rain. Come on, one more time. I will soon send rain. Let's wrap this out. I will soon send rain. Not a trick question, just straight up question. Whose idea is it to send rain? Is it God's or Elijah's? Not a trick question, just shout it out. God's, God's idea. I will soon send rain. It's the promise of God. I will soon send rain. Here's the question that comes from this. Why, if it's God's will, idea, and timing to send rain, does James say that Elijah prayed and God sent rain down? Why, if it's God's will, idea, and timing to do something, was it dependent on the prayers of Elijah? Why does it matter at that point? God, it's your will. God, it's your idea. God, it's your timing. The only thing that we can deduce from this passage of Scripture and many others is even though it is God's will, idea, and timing to accomplish something, He has so chosen to bring it to pass through your life. God has made so much of what He wants to do, His will, His idea, His timing, contingent on the prayers of you and me. God says, I will send rain. Elijah's got a promise. James tells us that he had to pray. He had to pray into this thing. What this means for you and I uh, is that there are areas of God's will in your life. I believe all the time. Today, tomorrow, from now till the rest of your life. There are parts of God's will right now in your life that have yet to be accomplished because you've yet to pray. There is an aspect of what God has called you to and what God's hand wants to do through your life and what God wants to do in this city. The thousands of people that we believe are going to come to Christ through this church. Come on. There is an aspect of that that is yet to be accomplished. Because why? Because we've yet to pray for it to be. 
even though it's God's will, even though it's God's idea, even though it is the time he wants to do it. That's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, he said pray this way, your kingdom come, your will, what? Be done. Because God invites us into the process. How great is God? Right? Sometimes we see faith as this spiritual drudgery, as if God just wants to lay a heavy on your day that is already so busy, as if God just wants to be like, hey, I just, I, I think what I really want for you to do is like, I want you to spend less time with your kids and less time making money. And I just want you to go and do some spiritual disciplines because, you know, that's just like, I want to make it tough on you. No, God is inviting you into an opportunity to transform the planet, to transform your work, to transform your family, to adjust and realign the priorities of your heart. God is giving you an invitation. I want to do something great. Come on, partner with me. It's like me with the kids. It's just like I'm getting them to, I don't, I don't need, I don't need Avia to clean the floors, but she's just like, she loves to do it. And it takes twice as long, but she just, you want to invite them into it. Why? Because it's just, it's just doing it together. We're doing it together. God invites you into his plan and his purpose to change and transform this city. Come on, somebody. Our God is amazing. Let's read on verse 41. Let's skip some text. You can go back and read it this week, but let's pick it up in verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab's the king. Ahab, by the way, was a wicked king. Uh, Elijah says to Ahab, uh, go man, get, get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah, say, but Elijah, climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Verse 1, God makes a promise. Verse 41 to 42, we see the engagement of prayer. Promise has already come. Elijah goes and prays. I love here, Elijah goes to the king and he's like, God's going to do something. Like, go eat and drink. The, the food's been rationed. Nobody's pigging out. Nobody's chowing down. Elijah's like, you know, go, go to Cactus Club, man. Like, go get yourself a teriyaki chicken rice bowl. Like, order extra, extra chicken. Get the shrimp. Go for it, man. Like, just go eat. Go stuff your face. And then go, go somewhere else and get ice cream. Like, just, I know food's been rationed, but God's, God's promised me something's going to happen. And do you notice what happens here? Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah prayed. Uh, can I issue to this house, to those of us who are desperate to see God move in our city, to those of us who've had our hearts so radically changed by God that we, just, we, we continuously live in the embrace and the wonder of his love. Not to say that everything is wonderful in your life, but you have had a transformational experience with Jesus. There are going to be times for us when other people go and eat and drink, but you and I go and pray. There are going to be times we're going to say, hey, go pig out. Let me carry the sacrifice. Go fill your heart. Let me get on my knees. God's already made the promise. Elijah's telling the king, the promise is going to come to pass. He's so full of faith that God is going to do this thing, yet he understands that God has in some way made this thing contingent on his prayers. I've been praying for our church. 
I've, God, I've been, I've been writing down in a journal dreams and visions that we've yet to see come to pass in this place. I, I've been sitting in the presence of God writing down things that I think are ridiculously impossible for our church. And I think it's time for all of us that we, we said this last week, that we get alone with God and we say, God, what are some impossible things that you've made contingent on my obedience? God, what are some impossible things that you have made dependent on me in this process? God has some avenue of his will for your life, for our church, for our city that he has made contingent on you and I. Elijah says, King, hey, go, go, go fill your face with food. But for me right now, I don't have time to get caught up in comparison like John talked about. I don't have time to get worried about creation and more wealth for me and the bigger and the better and all that. I, I, there's a nation that needs rain. God's called me to do something about this. Someone else is going to be filling their face. But sometimes you and I are going to be in prayer. Let's go on. Verse 43. Then Elijah said to his servant, Go, look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned. And Elijah said, uh, wait, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. So you notice the, the, the three Ps on this journey. There was the promise. There was Elijah's prayer. But you see what we see right here in verse 43. We see persistence. And this is what's hard to grasp. <laughs> If it's God's will and idea and timing to do something through the power of prayer, and Elijah goes and prays, why doesn't it happen right away? There, honestly, and here's your, here's your theological answer from your deep theological pastor today. I don't know why. <laughs> there are some answers that are only going to come in eternity. Here's your answer. Here is the culture of our church. Here is the call of God for those who call themselves saved and forgiven by Jesus Christ. Why do we persevere? Why does God not answer? It's his will. He's promised it. And we've gone and prayed. But yeah, there's this calling to persistence. Why? We're not going to answer why. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to say this. As long as there's air in my lungs, I'm going to keep praying. That's the culture. That's our heart. That's what we do. We don't get caught up asking the question, why have we yet to see it come to pass? We just understand that we got a promise from God and it's contingent on our prayers and we're going to keep praying. There are some couples in our church that have been praying to conceive for quite some time. And I've been praying for them probably with Avia like every other day. We, she loves to pray for couples in our church to have babies because, you know, she's just that age where she's like, you know, just pumped on babies. So we pray probably every other day for couples in our church to have babies. We've seen some miracles come to pass, and I've shared those with Alvia, and it's built up our faith. But there's some that we haven't seen. What do we do with that? Do we try and protect our kids and say, oh, what do we do? Like, I got to tell my kid that God hasn't yet answered and that we got to keep praying for this thing. You know, we, we know we teach our kids. As long as there's air in our lungs, we just keep asking. Come on. We get so caught up. I don't know if I want to teach my kid to pray. Aren't they going to be so disappointed that like, God's not going to answer their prayer? Yeah, probably they will be. And what we're going to teach them is, well, we just don't give up. I got air in my lungs. I'm going to keep praying. I don't know what God wants to do. God is sovereign. He made a promise. And then I prayed. And then I persisted. Here's verse 44. And let's wrap this thing up. The band is ready for me. <laughs> Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. 
And this is such a great picture of what God, what God does through our prayers. Because the rain, when it comes, does not just fall on Elijah. Notice, it, it, it gets everywhere. Elijah sends the servant, tell, tell Ahab, Ahab, you best get moving, man. This rain is going to go everywhere. It touches a nation. This is a picture of our prayers. When God moves in our lives, it impacts the people around us. And here's the, here's the flip side of that principle. When you invest your time praying for other people and God moves in their lives, it, it changes you. It builds faith within you. So we pray for ourselves and God changes the people around us and we pray for others and God changes us. The rain doesn't just fall on Elijah. The rain falls on everybody. God makes a promise and we pray and we persist and we see the world around us gets changed. Come on, somebody. How many, you know, you're in this place and you'd say, you know, you've had this feeling where it's, I want to get started with private devotion, but I'm just not sure how to take that first step or I've taken that first step a few times and I just find myself falling back. Maybe that's where you're at today or maybe you're in the place and you'd say, you know, I've had seasons of great private devotion, but I'm just not in one of them right now. Or maybe you are in a season, you're on our prayer team and you're just, you're like, I just, I'm impressing it in prayer. But no matter where you're at today, we want to help you take a physical, tangible next step. So I'm going to ask our Connect team to begin to hand out uh, prayer cards this morning that have uh, some prayer needs for all this week, as well as some instructions on, or some scripture that you can read every single day. There's an outline of scripture and then there's a specific prayer focus uh, for each day. And we're going to hand those around in just a moment. As we do, I'm going to invite you to remain seated. And our worship team is going to continue to just lead us. And I'm going to invite you as, you, as you remain seated, waiting for our Connect team to hand those around today, that you just, just take some time in the presence of God and say, God, what are you calling me to believe for again? Maybe God wants to reveal to you the promise. Maybe you haven't heard the promise that you need to begin praying for. And in, this, in these next few moments, God's going to speak to you. Hey, here's some promises I want you to begin to believe for. Maybe today he's just going to stir up some new faith to persevere. Whatever it is, let's continue in this moment of quiet reflection as the band leads us to just ask God, God, speak to my heart. Lead me into a deeper place of prayer. And we'll return after they sing with a few more closing thoughts. But let's open our hearts to God and how he would speak to us and call us to press into this promise today. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. You cannot be overcome. Your name is alive, forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light that the shadows.
that you'd speak the promise over some hearts today. Come on, lift your eyes to the promise of God for your life. God, what are those impossible things that you want us to be praying into this week? God, give us, give us some things to begin to put our eyes on, to begin to elevate and raise our faith. And that we would be a people that pray and that we pray as long as there's air in our lungs. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this is that moment I talked about earlier where there's an opportunity for you to make it a faith decision. And this is that private moment between you and God where you're, we didn't speak a message on salvation today, but we always close our services with an opportunity for you to take that first step in your faith and say, I'm going to surrender my life and choose to follow Jesus. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, because you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you're going to be forgiven, that you're going to be set free, that you are going to be, the Bible says this way, saved. So if you're in the room today and today's your day to make a faith decision, you don't want to leave this place the same way you came in. I'm not just talking about like just there was some sin in your life recently. I'm talking about like you know that you're far from God and today you need to make a faith decision, either a brand new decision or a recommitment because you know you've walked away from God. Today is your day. I'm going to invite you just in a moment. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, I'm just going to invite you to shoot your hand up. And again, no one's looking around because this is just a private moment of faith, but I want to do that three count and give you that moment so that you take that step and say, yeah, that right there, this is my faith step to come to Jesus today. If that's you, can you shoot your hand up on the count of three? We're just going to pray for you in a moment. We won't center you out or embarrass you. Right where you're sitting, we're, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and all of us are going to pray it together. If that's you today, would you just shoot up your hand and say, yeah, pray with me today. Today's a day of decision for me. I'm choosing to give my life to Jesus. Yeah, so great, so great, man. Anyone else that you'd say, yeah, today, it's my day, it's my day. I wanna pray that prayer, I don't wanna miss this moment. Thank you, God. Come on, church, let's join with that. Those who've raised their hands today, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, you know you wanted to. Today, just you pray this from your heart. Come on, church, let's say this out. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, and I choose to follow you because I believe that you died and rose again so forgive my sin thank you for a hope and a future make me brand new help me follow you in Jesus name in Jesus name amen come on church can we celebrate those that made that decision in this place today